Japan during the mid-1980s to the early 2000s was a dynamic period of significant economic growth, cultural shifts, and technological advances. It was a time when Japan solidified its position as a global economic powerhouse and witnessed the rise of iconic cultural phenomenon. From the booming stock market and the burst of the economic bubble to the emergence of influential pop culture trends. However, at the same time, this was a dark period in Japan as well. This is Japan's darkest secrets, and this is Bizarre Conspiracies, and I'm Eric Patino. The amount of brutal and psychotic murderers in Japan's history is unprecedented. A good example of this is Yukio Yamaji, who was raised in poverty by his mother after his father passed away when he was just 11 years old. He killed his mother with a baseball bat only 5 years later, in 2000, and then immediately surrendered to the police. He was committed to juvenile jail because of his young age and his challenging family situation. He said that his mother's debt and the way she had meddled in his relationships were the reason behind the murder. Yamaji was only granted parole three years after the horrifying incident because it was thought that he had reformed. That was in 2003. But this turned out to be a deadly error since in 2005, he again gave in to his violent impulses. Yamaji killed two sisters in Osaka by stabbing them and then destroying their flat to hide his crime. Police quickly began to look at him as a suspect because he had just moved into the same building. Yamaji promptly admitted to the truth when questioned. He was accused of killing them, but the judge would not be as forgiving this time. Yamaji was given the death penalty, despite completing a psychological examination that proved he had Asperger's Syndrome. Tuzomo Miyazaki was another insane murderer, unquestionably the most notorious serial killer in Japan's history. His crimes are the product of nightmares, and he is solely responsible for the negative impressions of otaku society. Miyazaki had a difficult life and was known as the little girl murderer, but he was also known as the human Dracula. He had a terrible wrist deformity from birth which limited his confidence and his capacity to establish friends as a young child. His parents were emotionally distant despite coming from a rich background. He was a recluse as a child and struggled with many different mental and health issues. He committed his first murder in 1988. He convinced a four-year-old into his car as his first victim, and the two of them sped off into a remote location. She was strangled and the corpse was dumped. A few weeks later, motivated by the urge to experience the same thrill, Miyazaki abducted and killed another young girl 
using the exact same method. His fantasies grew, and so did the brutality of his crimes. He carried out the same method of murder on his next two victims, but he mutilated and consumed body parts of his final victim in his own home. Additionally, he took some pictures of his victims, desecrated their corpses, and mailed letters and body parts to the grieving families. In 1989, Miyazaki was eventually arrested when he was found in his car with his intended fifth victim, naked, in 2007. He quickly received the death sentence and was executed. Fatoshi Matsunaga Fatoshi possessed an innate charm that left a lasting impression on those around him, making him a popular figure amongst his peers. Alongside his charismatic personality, he consistently achieved remarkable academic success, earning outstanding scores that highlighted his dedication and intellectual prowess. However, unforeseen circumstances arose when he became entangled in a romantic relationship with a junior high school girl, which ultimately resulting in his transfer to another high school. This unexpected turn of events marked a significant chapter in Fatoshi's life, bringing forth challenges and opportunities. Adjusting to his new environment, he embraced the chance for a fresh start, determined to leave behind the complexities of his past. The transfer not only presented him with a blank canvas to redefine himself, but also opened doors to new friendships and experiences. Following his time at the new high school, Fatoshi's life took another unexpected turn when he made the decision to get married at the young age of 19. Excited to embark on this new chapter, he welcomed the arrival of his first child. However, as time passed, a darker side of Fatoshi began to emerge, gradually revealing itself from the shadows. Initially, this transformation was subtle, almost imperceptible to those around him. Fatoshi's responsibilities as a husband and a father weighed heavily on his young shoulders, causing him to grapple with the pressures of adulthood at an early age. As the days turned into months, Fatoshi's inner demons began to surface, manifesting in behaviors that contrast starkly with his once charming demeanor. He would soon use that to his advantage. In 1982, he made a solemn promise to marry another woman named Junko. However, their budding romance faced a formidable obstacle in the form of Junko's disapproving mother, who harbored a strong desire to dismantle the pair. Amidst the emotional turmoil and conflicting desires, Fatoshi found himself caught between his commitment to his existing marriage and his growing affection for Junko. Junko, filled with hope and unwavering determination, longed to unite with the man she cherished. Yet, her mother's relentless disapproval cast a shadow of uncertainty over their future. Caught in all the conflict and expectations and desires, Fatoshi grappled with choices. Dark choices. So, under the cover of night, he entered Juko's parents' room, seduced her, and did unspeakable sexual acts to her. Following that, he managed to charm his way into Junko's heart and persuaded her to go with him. This would be the start of Fatoshi's twisted ways of thinking. He was establishing a new path, a path of evil and fraud. 
1983, he founded a new business selling futons. Two years later, in 85, he bought a building for the business. Now, he would start using this building for his dark acts. You see, the third floor of his building was used to electrocute and torture his victims. In that same year, 1985, Junko made an attempt on her life, but he separated her from her family by persuading her that they despised her for making the attempt. Then, the pair started living together, permanently. The first victim of Fatoshi was a married mother of three. He manipulated her into abandoning her husband and fleeing with him in April of 1993, all while claiming that Junko was his sister. In September 1993, one of her children died under mysterious circumstances. Then, in March of 1994, the woman passed away mysteriously. But before she passed away, Fotoshi got away with 11.8 million yen. I should also note, in 1992, he obtained 180 million yen through fraud and blackmail. This put him and Junko on the country's wanted list in 1992 after fleeing the police. Kumio Taraya, 32-year-old father with one daughter, was his next victim. Blackmail was used to get his attention so that he could lead him back to his house, Fatoshi's house. He first electrocuted him, then made his daughter participate in the torturous acts. Kumio passed away on February 26, 1996. He was 34. Even worse than that, Fatoshi actually convinced the young girl that she was the one who had murdered her father. Later that year, he would decide to go after a friend of Kumio, who he had deceived into believing he was going to marry. He kept her locked up in his home while robbing her of 5.6 million yen. She was able to get away, however, by leaping out of a window on the second floor. She was eventually placed under supervision in a mental health facility. You can start to see Fitoshi's patterns here. Nothing slowed down. In 1997, Junko left for work but did not return because either she was sick of Fitoshi or she was tired of being mistreated herself. She went into hiding. He called Junko's family, questioned as to whether they had seen or heard from her, then threatened them into telling him the truth. They replied that they had not spoken to her and were unaware of her whereabouts. He allowed some time to pass in order to fake a suicidal death, even organized his own funeral. He took these steps in order to disappear into the shadows to watch Junko's family's home and wait for her to appear. And it worked. As soon as Junko's mind was at ease, she went back home, only to discover Fatoshi there, still alive and well. The family of Junko pleaded with him to simply disappear, promising to pay him 63 million yen if he did. And of course, he agreed, but he broke the agreement. Instead, he imprisoned all of them, the mother, the father, the sister, and Junko herself. All the women were subjected to sexual assault before being electrocuted. He then forced Junko to electrocute her father who died at the age of 61 from this torture. Shizumi, Junko's mother, was driven insane by this, and it caused her to suddenly begin hearing odd voices in a wild way. He then ordered Raiko, Junko's sister, 
and Kazuya, her husband, to strangle Suzumi to death. She was only 58 when she was murdered on January 20th, 1998. After Raiko became useless to Fatoshi and had actually become deaf from all the abuse that she endured, she was killed on February 10th, 1998. Her husband, Kazuya, strangled her to death after her mother by just one month. She was 33. The 38-year-old Kazuya was worn out after killing two people. It was starting to make him feel uneasy, a little crazy. So on April 13th, 1998, he was locked in a bathroom where he starved to death. Raiko's son, Yuki, was next and was strangled to death. He was only just five years old. Eya, Raiko's daughter, 10 years old, again strangled to death. If all that wasn't crazy enough, he instructed Junko to collect all the pieces of their bodies and boil them in pots, tossing what was left into the sea. Fatoshi made another attempt in 2000, seducing a mother with the possibility of marriage, this time stealing 20 million yen, with also the mother being compelled to give him control over her twin children. Do you recall Kumio's daughter? She was still alive throughout all of this and imprisoned by Fatoshi. In January 2002, she managed to escape Fatoshi's death grip while she was being held captive. However, because he was able to track her down and bring her back in February 2002, her escape was only temporary, but this young girl was determined to leave the abusive world of Fatoshi. So in March of 2002, she gave it another shot. This time, when she escaped, she immediately reported all of the crimes Fatoshi and Junko were involved in to the police. The following day, when they were found attempting to get the young girl back, the authorities finally apprehended Fatoshi and Junko. They were arrested and charged for the murders of the following victims on March 6, 2002. Kumio Toraya, the girl's father. Takashi Ogata, Junko's father. Shizumi Ogata, Junko's mother. Raiko Ogata, Junko's sister. Kazuya Ogata, Raiko's husband. Yuki Ogata, Junko's nephew. And Eya Ogata, Junko's niece. On September 28, 2005, a district court in Fukuogata sentenced him and Junko to die by hanging. On September 26, 2007, a high court sentenced again Fatoshi to die. But Junko's sentence was changed from execution to life imprisonment because Fatoshi had forced her to kill the victims with his domestic violence. As later he would be known by, the notorious mind control killer Fatoshi Matsunaga is still being held in Japanese prison, waiting it to be hung. Now, according to her friends, Kiyomo's daughter has since made an effort to move on with her life, even if the memories of those dark days continues to haunt her. She thinks about her father frequently and anticipates the day when Fatoshi will meet his end, the day she may find closure, and the day when this matter is finally resolved. The horrors of Fatoshi are still felt today, being well known in Japan, but talked about only in whispers. In reality, it is unsettling to think just how many unidentified psychopaths may be carrying out heinous crimes, remaining at large, 
and potentially lurking in the shadows of our society, be it around the corner or within dimly lit alleys. The mere thought sends chills down our spines, emphasizing the importance of unyielding vigilance and the tireless efforts of law enforcement agencies apprehending these individuals. It's an unfortunate truth that, despite the efforts made in crime prevention and investigation, some psychopathic individuals continue to evade capture, their ability to blend into society, skillfully concealing their dark desires and malevolent intentions, serves as a haunting reminder of the unseen dangers that may surround us. However, we must also remember that society is not defenseless. By fostering a culture of awareness, educating ourselves about personal safety measures, and promoting a supportive environment where individuals feel comfortable reporting suspicious activities, we can collectively contribute to the prevention and identification of such criminals. Ultimately, the quest for a safer society demands an unwavering commitment from both law enforcement and the public. By remaining vigilant and supporting the efforts to identify and apprehend these hidden threats, we can thrive to minimize the shadows in which they operate, ensuring that justice prevails and our communities find solace in a more secure future. I hope this episode didn't scare you if you ever plan on visiting Japan. Renowned for its captivating blend of ancient traditions and modern marvels, it stands as one of the most enchanting countries on our planet. Its rich cultural heritage, stunning landscapes, and vibrant cities have captivated the imaginations of travelers from all corners of the globe. I don't know about you, but I've had my fill of true crime for today. Thank you so much for listening to Bizarre Conspiracies. Again, I've been Eric Patino, and as always, I will catch you in the next episode. <laughs>